0: This is the Roaring Elephant podcast for the 13th of November 2018, a podcast about Apache Hadoop and the surrounding ecosystem for anybody working with or investigating big data and advanced analytics. My name is Jon, and here is my nearly disaster-averting co-host, Dave.
1: <laughs> Indeed. If I can offer one piece of advice to everybody, uh, it would be never, ever attempt to clap your hands while holding a cup of coffee. A cup of cold um, and hot
0: coffee, I hope. Yes, indeed. So, uh, yeah, don't do that.
1: I didn't do that, but I could have done that, and it would have been bad.
0: Yeah, I tried to make him do that. I enticed him, but uh, yeah, it didn't work.
1: That was your public service announcement for the day. <laughs>
0: <laughs> In the US, people have sued uh, uh, McDonald's, I think, for something similar. So, <laughs> This is true. This
1: is true. This is why everything is plastered with warning. This hot coffee is hot. Mm,
0: anyway. That's old news. Let's talk about some new news.
1: Let's talk about new news. Let's talk about big news. Big uh, really? open Un- source news. Unexpected
0: news. I mean, I, I spilled my coffee when I read this.
1: Well, I mean, so I, I worked at Red Hat for a number of years, and there was always, as as with any big corporate, there's always the uh, the rumour mill circling round about, All oh, you know, is so-and-so going to buy us, or so-and-so. And it would always be, you know, it would flip between whoever was the... Partner of the uh, of the day, whether it would be sort of someone like Microsoft or Oracle or IBM, or and you, you sort of always thought well, you know you've got to be very careful with that because you you know what are you really buying? There's no uh-huh. IP per se. Well, it's, no patent bound IP. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all it's all people and uh, and yes the the news of late, it's, it's a little bit old news now, but it's the first time we've had a chance to talk, to about, talk it. about it on an episode, is of course the uh, IBM acquiring Red Hat uh, to boost their cloud story.
0: Uh, yeah, to become the predominant player in the cloud uh, arena, if you read the IBM uh, blogs. Yeah, indeed. Still not sure Which, what they mean by that. but <laughs>
1: Well, it's kind of funny because there's, there's a couple of different viewpoints that, um some of which i've seen some of which i haven't seen but some you know, things like well does does that mean that you know anybody that had that had bought into ibm's current cloud story was just sort of on a hiding to nothing you know was 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 that all garbage or um well, you know, i'm not going <laughs> to answer that one you're <laughs> baiting me there but uh. oh but i enjoy it so much yeah. but no. yeah it's it's it is kind of, it's a curious time of, of mergers and acquisitions.
0: Um, yeah, I mean, there's a couple going on at the moment. I know the Microsoft uh, GitHub thing just went through. So that's, yeah, uh, yeah, I saw now. that. So i will see how that uh, pans out. Things are looking good at the moment, but uh, we'll see. But that's a different kind of thing, right? Because uh, GitHub is just yeah. a service, while yeah, Red Hat Linux, uh, you can turn it each way, each, each, whatever way you want to, they are corporate Linux at the moment. If any yeah. corporation is using Linux in any kind of serious way, it's a good chance of using Red Hat at this point.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: And a lot of these and companies are actually going away from IBM because the whole black box approach IBM usually um, heavy-handedly pushes in the door. Mm. Doesn't work well, and that's why people went to Red Hat, and now they're back in IBM. So ah, it's going to be a weird world.
1: Yeah, very, very strange. I mean, there's obviously there's a lot of discussion about how this will actually operate in the future you know uh, red hat remaining largely independent of ibm Mm -hmm. and that there won't be there won't be as much heavy blue i mean that that that's what at least that's what they're saying that's what they
0: always say right i mean look at facebook and whatsapp yeah indeed last week whatsapp declared we are going to share our data with facebook yep so it's gonna be not, it could be good right i mean uh, having some red hat culture going into ibm i think would be a good thing for ibm yeah yeah because yeah. i mean at, i've at list- least go ahead
1: I was just going to say at least uh, cutting the number of people that IBM sent to any meeting uh, would be great.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. It's fun. You're never alone in a meeting with IBM. <laughs> uh, but I was going to say that uh, at Microsoft, you kind of did the same uh, tra- tra- trajectory, let's say, because uh, a couple of years back, I, I, Microsoft was just as stuffy and blue. And since, I'm, since I've joined them, <clears throat> it's all me, of course, <laughs> uh, things have changed tremendously with the uh, embracement of the open source. Even though it's a still a, um, a commercial company, that yeah. the, the internal way of working has changed a lot. I can I agree attest to that. So it would be good if that happened. At IBM. I'm just really wondering if a Red Hat will have a chance.
1: Well, I don't know. I mean, there's there's all of the jokes, of course, about the the blue, the blue suits wearing red hats and all that sort of thing. <laughs> and uh, does that oh, mean I change the RGB to name read. to... Blue hat. Well, just acquire Susan and you're done then. But <laughs> um, well, quite quite why you'd want that boat anchor, I don't know. But anyway
0: um, We've <laughs> I mean, talked about this before when the news happened. I'm really looking forward to see what Sousa is going to do with this. Because uh, oh. in the in the long, long history when I was still young, uh, Red Hat and Sousa had kind of divided the world with Sousa being big in Europe and Red Hat in America. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then Sousa, for whatever reason you want to point to them, a lot of stuff went bad and they kind of disappeared off the face of the earth. Well, they're still there, but nobody really... Used, I don't see them used very often. No, like I see that them one. hardly ever. This might give them a reason to become relevant again, because you do need uh, competition in this space. And yeah, at the moment, great. you've got uh, Red Hat with Santos and Fedora in there, of course. You yep. have, I'd say, Ubuntu Debian, which yep. in a service environment, I have a hard time positioning and you get SUSE, and lately SUSE has been working a little bit on putting up a, a bigger face, let's say, because I remember seeing a press release from Microsoft about two, three, four weeks ago that we mm-hmm. now have uh, default SUSE images on Azure. And I'm assuming they have them on Amazon and Google as well. Then, I mean, it wouldn't be stupid for them go for one cloud. So they are trying to do become relevant again, let's say, and this might just be... I mean, there will be people moving away from Red Hat because of this. I mean, just like people moved away from GitHub because Microsoft. There's always people making, yeah, shoot from the hip decisions where they don't really have any reason to sure, do it. Sure, sure. And I am hoping Sousa tries to capitalize on it because, again, competition is good.
1: Indeed, indeed. Competition, competition breeds innovation. Computation, competition. Computation, competition. <laughs> compute something anyway. <clears throat> but off? yeah, I mean it it mm-hmm. should be it has the potential to be good. and It has the potential to be interesting. I do in I do execution. feel sorry for Well, yeah, it's very much in the execution. But I do feel sorry for um you know people that have been blindsided by this um and that are very much directly affected by it. So yeah. my uh, my thoughts go out to everybody. Yeah, um, same here. I mean that that this, is, uh, there's never
0: a fun moment when people, when companies are merging or being acquired. Yeah, uncertainty—it's always bad. I mean, everything stagnates a little bit, but uh, let's hope it's growth for the future. Uh, yeah, my indeed. only worry is—and none of the, as far as I know, none of the uh, announcements even touch this—is what's going to happen at CentOS.
1: Well, my my guess would be that there'll be no change, but yeah, who knows?
0: Oh, uh, I'm. I'm, I'm I mean, it could go like uh, MySQL and Oracle. I mean, uh, MySQL and now we have Mario Mm-hmm. And uh, that would maybe not be a bad thing, but that's, uh, I remember when Santos went in with uh, Red Hat, that that was... I could be totally wrong here, but I was told that that was actually Red Hat saving the CentOS movement because they, well, needed not just money, but also the, the backing, the back office, let's say, to, to put it all together. And, uh, well, since we were binary compatible it made sense and i always yeah, kudos to red hat to have centos alongside their official offering there that really works out well for me in my little private uh, lab i have going on here <laughs> <laughs> but um i'm not sure if yeah, ibm is going to keep on doing that because i mean they'll have red hat they'll have fedora and they'll have centos Uh, I can see them using keeping Fedora on because the the long-term stable Red Hat and the bleeding edge Fedora, yeah, that's nicely complementary. Yeah,
1: you need somewhere to test out your wares.
0: And you just keep it sexy as well. But CentOS is not there to keep it sexy. CentOS is there, let's be honest, to use Red Hat without paying for it.
1: Yeah, sure.
0: I mean, here at home, I've got a lot of servers. I play a lot around with virtual machines. If I had to pay Red Hat for every license there, uh, that would be... Painful, And Red Hat doesn't require me to do that because they have CentOS and they have a lot of uh, free versions of their commercial things. I mean, I'm also using the Foreman, for example, for my infrastructure management. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't need to use satellites. I don't have the indemnification I don't have support contracts. Fine, I don't need that. I'm not a company. I'm a, I'm a private yeah. person. I'm just uh, tinkering around with stuff to keep myself intelligent, or at least trying to... <laughs> But um, yeah, really, be sad if Santos goes away. That would really be bad. I guess we're gonna have to wait for Mandrake to come back up again then. Oh
1: dear! <laughs> oh dear! You really had to go there, didn't you? Oh, oh man, Mandrake. Sorry, Mandriva. It, it uh, became, Mandri- didn't it?
0: Yeah. Mandriva. Uh, Mandrake was the uh, uh, was the first name, right? It was, yeah. So and then it became Mandriva,
1: the <laughs> and then it died somewhere in a dumpster.
0: Uh, but well, yeah, as you said, it's a bit of a strange world going on. A lot of open source things are being taken seriously by big business and these kind of mergers are indicative of it.
1: Yeah, I mean, if anything, it, you could say that they are absolutely validation mm-hmm. that open source really is big business.
0: Yeah, and that there is a possible uh, uh, monetization strategy behind it.
1: Yeah, yeah, very much
0: so. Because a lot of people always uh, kind of laughed at Red Hat that uh, they would never be successful in business and their monetization was was garbage, never going to happen. You can't make money on open source. Well, let's hope for IBM they were wrong.
1: (laughs) Well, I mean, the $34 billion suggests that uh, they're fairly certain about what they're doing. So, Uh, time will tell. Uh,
0: Yeah, if you want to go there, there was a hefty premium on there and apparently it was because they were afraid that other entities would make a competing bid. But uh, that was a big pile of money. Yep, indeed. Hoping that doesn't come back to bite them, because if you buy something for a lot of money, you kind of expect uh, revenue from it, right?
1: Yeah, very much so. And yeah, that that will almost certainly be um, something that that comes on further Mm -hmm. down the line. There's bound to be some some squeezing and some, some retargeting, so...
0: I'm happy that's happening now and not five years ago, because in the last five years, IBM has really put a different face on their open source strategy as well, right? Mm -hmm. They've been a lot more... They've always been pretty uh, involved with uh, committing software to open source projects, various open source projects. But in the last couple of years, they've been even more vocal about it. I mean, we've talked a lot about the Atlas and Egeria projects now, so that's really them being front and center in the open source community, so... Let's hope that this is just a step in uh, that same direction. Yeah, indeed, indeed. And let's hope they keep on making Linux for Intel processors, not just for PowerPC. Oh, God.
1: Anyway, moving on.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's big news. We'll keep an eye on it. And uh, if things change, we'll uh, probably revisit this subject. Yeah, definitely. Moving on, I've got a little article and you're not allowed to talk about it uh, because you're in that little uh, open source merger thing yourself and I happen to have a blog post from Cloudera where they're actually talking about their new CDH Enterprise 6 and particularly this blog is about their Apache Hive 2.1 inclusion in there. I've had blogs from uh, Cloudera on the show before, and I've actually been quite positive about them, but this one I don't like too much, and there's a couple of reasons for that. Uh, Show show notes will have the link, of course, but first of all, having a blog post uh, shouting that you now have the bleeding-edge Apache Hive 2.1 in your distribution, it's a little bit painful knowing that Apache Hive 3.1 is almost out. I mean, looking at the release notes here, 1st of November, 3.1.1 was released. Now, I'm not expecting them to have the Bleeding Edge in there, but Apache Hive 2.1, 2.2, 2.3 have been out for years now. So, um, but anyway, they were moving on from Apache Hive 1.1, which was their most uh, recent one they had in uh, CDH5. And looking at the release notes, 1.1 actually was released by the Apache project on the 8th of March, 2015. (laughs) But there's a couple of other things in there which really um, annoy me, let's say. Well, not annoy, but I'm, I'm actually fascinated by the track they're using because they're really uh, going heavy on the hoss as they call it and i had to really look it up it stands for hive on spark and that's basically how they're going to do their new hive uh, infrastructure totally basing it on spark and that also explains why i was actually puzzled by this the release notes actually say that their hive 2.1 does not come with apache test so they're i was thinking they're still doing MapReduce. Uh, well, no, apparently they're using it on Spark. But then my question becomes, how is this different from Impala? Because Apache, uh sorry, Hive on Spark is also a memory-based solution for SQL. So they already have Impala for that. Anyway, the article goes through a couple of other things, and apparently Cloudera has doing a lo- has been doing a lot of work single-handedly making uh Hive 2.1 ten times faster than the old version which is a bit sad since with uh, TES it's 100 times faster than the old version. But uh, I'm probably misreading something there. And they're also doing something with putting Hive on Spark based on Parquet vectorization uh, file system files. Hive having ORC is already good enough. Having Hive on Spark, I can see the link to Parquet. But uh, I don't know. It's a bit of a, a strange thing there. And on the one hand, it's great that they are upgrading Hive to, 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 an, to a newer version. And I totally understand that I don't want to put the uh, Apache Atlas security in there because they have sentry, which is fine. It uh, does the same thing. No problem there. But why on earth would you pull out TES when it just works? One last thing I'm going to say here, and this is the one that really annoyed me, and I'm going to quote it from the article just want to find the right thing. Um, I can't find the exact quote at the moment, but basically what they're saying is that they, they've they been waiting so long to put Apache Hive 2 in there because we're waiting for it to become stable and quality assured. And that's not nice. I mean, Hive has been in production at a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, companies, very stable, very production ready. I mean, uh, I've been using it uh, at my Microsoft uh, work as well telling the open source community that they have been ha- handing out a product since 2015 that wasn't stable that's not nice Cloudera. don't do that anyway am not gonna harp any further on that just end up with a positive note because i do end up with f- future minor releases will include a rapid pace of new features and enhancements to improve end users experience satisfaction so let's hope that they will be moving up uh, the the release tree of hive uh, quickly with new releases and that uh, people using Cloudera CTH will also have the benefits of using things like Hive and uh, Tez, and maybe even LAP, which is also not included at the moment. I think I've had Dave quiet for long enough, so uh, let's move on to the next article, shall we?
1: Hooray! (laughs) So let's talk demons, or rather demons botnets, and all kinds of other unsecure, unsecured yarn scariness.
0: Oh, did I write, draw my pentagram for, for nothing then?
1: I'm afraid so. I'm afraid so. Shouldn't. And you lit, you lit the incorrect dribbly candles. But never mind. <laughs> um, we can save those for the next episode. Um, so yes, uh, anyone that hasn't been living in a cave will probably have uh, seen the notice around, um, please secure your Hadoop environments, the the latest of the uh, compromises has come out. There's something called DemonBot, which uh, does a distributed denial of service. And, uh, of course, typically Hadoop servers or instances, whether they're cloud or on-prem, tend to be fairly beefy. Mm-hmm. So compromise a lot of those, and you've got quite a hefty uh, botnet at your uh, at your whim. Anyway, essentially... There's a obviously a link in the show notes, but essentially it's it's another of the um, another of these uh, issues where people are exploiting unsecured um, and unpatched, un- unupdated um, deployments of Hadoop. And anyone that uh, has been around in this game for a little while probably remembers uh, way back when the uh, Doctor Who. Um, bug which was or not but wasn't the vulnerability. Name bug but it, yeah vulnerability so it, there was a mm. a yarn rest api unauthorized vulnerability um, where essentially unsecured clusters people could break into them and then were running a process and you knew it was this because the the, uh, the actual um, job owner i think it was i'd have to i'd have to check to be specific uh, was called dr.who and uh, it's still a thing today. I know that if you go and spin up a, a default, unsecured um, Hadoop environment and leave it open to the internet, um, chances are very, very high that very quickly uh, it will become compromised. And uh, and that is still a thing. This, this new uh, Demon Bot is just the latest iteration of these kind of things. So... I suppose the second public service announcement of our episode is please, please just, first of all, block off all access to anybody that's not you. If you're spinning up a sandbox, all of the cloud's providers have methods of setting security groups so just your IP can access them. Mm -hmm. Um, If you have something more complicated in place, that's great, you know, virtual private uh, networking or anything like that. Awesome. But for the first part, please just prevent anybody else from accessing. Beyond that, obviously the next step has got to be kerberizing the environment and things like that. But just simple steps of ensuring that uh, you know no one can directly connect to your environment will already make you much, much safer.
0: Yeah, I do want to say, though, that this isn't just a Hadoop thing, right? This is any any server you have connected to the internet. You have to configure it and secure it. I mean, I've got a couple of servers running on the internet as well for myself. I mean, talked about that at the beginning of the show. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I mean, for my little stupid mail server I have there, I get thousands and thousands of SSH uh, trial logins. I get port scanned all the time you have to just it's a dangerous place out there people be prepared wear wear protection (laughs) (laughs) indeed (laughs) indeed Um, it's just been
1: it's been an episode full of public service today we're just doing the world good well, we hope so. Or <laughs> well, at least you know, not making any worse, anyway. i
0: well, actually looking at a little. You have two graphs in the article you have here, and while you see a rise in a certain amount of time, it doesn't really go up exponentially or anything like that. No, and that could, of course, be two reasons. A lot of botnets kind of stop themselves from becoming too widespread to avoid detection. Yeah, until they need to do something. Or, and I'm not sure if that's if I'm being too rose-colored glasses here, but a lot of the time when I want to try something out, I spin up a quick cluster, try my thing, leave it running for an hour, and kill it again. Yeah, yeah. And I don't spend time protecting it. I'm I'm guilty. Because I know I'm going to delete it anyway. It's not going to have any data I care about and whatever. I just want to get something done quickly, check something, check a version of a library with I don't know what else. yeah a lot of those will get infected directly. That's obvious. And maybe this is just that at a certain point they, had, they covered all of those uh, clusters and they couldn't grow any further anymore.
1: Possible, That's, possible. I mean, I I mean ex- th- yeah. there's there's also some comments in the article, and I've, I've seen a few other articles about this, that the numbers aren't really known um, to any degree of certainty because there's... Um, the way this the exploit works, it's not like the uh, the infected machines then scan out and try to further exploit. So um, there's there's no easy way to find yeah. exactly what's going on and what the numbers numbers are. So. Yeah. It's sort of we've got s- some estimates, but you know as you say it, it could well be that that the ephemeral sort of uh, yeah. process of these things spinning up and then being killed off could well be uh, stopping mm-hmm. things from going too crazy.
0: what I also miss here is that they're not actually telling us how to clean your system <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't know about you, but I've never I mean unless you were uh, unless you have uh, a machine or a service compromise that you really care about. In most cases, it's better to nuke the entire site yeah. from orbit. It's the only way to be sure.
0: <laughs> yeah, that was my point, actually, because in Hadoop, the whole thing about if it uh, looks a little bit uh, a little bit strange, kill it and re-instantiate re- it and reboot it. That's the yeah. way to go, so definitely do this. Anybody with Hadoop plus should have two head nodes as well, so you can do the head nodes too, and you should be able to do this in a... Reasonably fast and in unintrusive matter, so it should be fine. But, uh, yeah, well, as long as they're computers, people will hack them. Uh, One quick thing, though. You you were talking about on the uh, uh, clouds that all cloud providers have stuff to mitigate this, to close the doors. You're right, of course. Uh, I don't know enough about the other clouds, but I do know that for Azure, for instance, we also do active... Scanning for known mm. uh, vulnerabilities. Yep. Pretty sure the other guys do too, because I know yeah. I actually had a small HD inside cluster running, which I forgot about and I got an email. Uh, you didn't patch it, uh, CR, and blah, okay, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so just to say, it can happen to everybody, even you. Yep, indeed. But never indeed. Me. yeah. Well, occasionally. <laughs> <maybe. laughs> I mean, it's good that this thing happens from time to time because that makes people not become complacent. Indeed.
1: And obviously, we need to make sure that uh, you know if you're following the majority of the best practices with this, then you should not be uh, you should not be diving down these kind of rabbit holes too often. And um, there's always going to be you know things that will come out of the blue and you know zero day exploits and all that sort of thing. But for the most part, you know, take enough precautions, have defense in depth, um, and you can insulate yourself from a lot of the noise
0: yeah and it's getting easier all the time to secure your cluster, right? I mean, in the in the olden days, having Kerberos on there was really a, a nightmare these days it's it's not perhaps not easy, but it's not hard anymore, right It's all it's, a it's probably of
1: not it's not quite one click yet, but it's getting very close.
0: And it's definitely feasible for everybody now. If yeah you don't yeah. if you can't do that, you really should talk to a partner or somebody else who is in the space to help you with this because. There's no excuses anymore for having insecure servers. Agreed. <laughs> Unless if
1: you're and, developing. On that, and on that public service announcement-laden completion... Yes, go ahead. Anything else from you? Nope. Finishes off. In that case, that is all the time we have for today. We hope you enjoyed this public service bite-sized <laughs> big data. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode. Until then, please go to www.roaringelephant.org where you can find more information, including a feedback form. You can also follow us on Twitter using the at #hadoopcast tag and contact us by email to podcast at RoaringElephant.org with any thoughts, comments, criticisms and other feedback. Until then, my name is Dave. And my name is Jon. And we look forward to talking to you next week. See you then.